ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chicky Fitzgerald. Good morning, this is Chicky Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and we are going to talk to someone today who has been a guest on our show before, and I was just teasing with her uh, before we started. Her last book was actually a book called What to Do When There's Too Much to Do, and I told her I was too busy to interview her for that one. So now we're going to do her current book, which just came out, and I'll, I'll let her tell you the, the story about how that one came to be. Our guest is Laura Stack, and the current book is Doing the Right Things Right, How the Effective Executive Spends Time. Laura, welcome back. Thank you, Chicky. It's been many years. And, it uh, has been. have a chance to chat with you again. Well, and, you know, it's funny because I always, uh, just as a backdrop to make sure that I'm focused for the interview, I always pull up the book on Amazon because I'm, you know, pretty sure I can get to the table of contents there, which I always like to refer back to. But <laughs> I also look at the books that you uh, have written. And mm-hmm. you know what? I don't think I remembered you being such a prolific author. Uh, wow. I believe the last one that we interviewed you on was your book, Super Competent, The Six Keys to Perform at your productive best and that that, I think we agreed was back in 2010 Mm -hmm. so Laura why don't you just give our listeners um, you know a thumbnail about you uh, you know how did you get started in business and how did you transition to being author public speaker sure well I've always been in business uh, ever since I can remember even as a small child walking dogs, uh, babysitting, lawn mowing services. I hustled. I was always fascinated by the ability to make as much money as you were able to put into work. And, uh, you know, now that I'm in this business 25 years, looking back, I realized a lot of those early childhood lessons of just being scrappy and driven and hard work really benefited me in business now. I got started in this business. Mostly, I would say, due to my military upbringing, my father is a retired colonel, and I grew up on the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Mm. where I was always taught, you know, when you get home from school, you do your homework, and then you do your chores, and then you get ready for bed. I mean, it was the classic, you know, (laughs) the colonel said jump, and you say, how high? And so I learned discipline and structure and planning and preparation and all of those things from my father and the way that I was raised. And fast forward to 21 years old, I had received my MBA by that point, uh, just using some of those uh, time management principles and things that came naturally to me in terms of the, that discipline. And I started my own company from people asking me, how did you get your MBA when you were 21? I started just giving little talks to anyone really rotary kiwanis lions they thought it was just quite fascinating and i tried the corporate route i was a trainer there i tried um the university route i was older you know my students were older than me and so i joined career track which is a public seminar company and hung up my shingle and i've been in business ever since 25 years now so that's that's all i do now chicky i I speak, I travel, I write, I I live and breathe 
productivity and performance. It's all I've ever studied and what I'm truly passionate about. And yes, this is my seventh book. I write one every two years, uh, starting in 2004. I came out with Leave the Office earlier. That is still by far my best-selling book. Uh, and that kind of broke me out a little bit. And then I wrote Find More Time, which is Productivity at Home. Then I wrote The Exhaustion Cure on Energy and Productivity. Then the one we talked about. For those of us who don't leave the office. <laughs> <laughs> right, who live at the office, especially a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, then Super Confident came out on high performance. In 2012, I don't think we talked about what to do and there's too much to do. But in between that, in 2014, Execution is the Strategy came out on how to execute strategic plans with your team. And then this new one, Doing the Right Things Right, How the Effective Executive Spends Time. So it's a time management for leaders book. And so, yeah, that is the, you know, the long, short synopsis of my journey to this point. Well, and it's, you know, it's really funny, Laura. I was talking to a younger executive woman uh, a couple of days ago, and, and uh, you know, she was 30-something. And, you know, I was explaining about how when I first got into business, I mean, we still had secretaries, which were later called, you know, to be politically correct, admins. Yeah. And right. she's like, huh? And what did yeah, they secretary? do? <laughs> well, they did everything that we now have to do for ourselves. And, you know, not not only at uh, an entrepreneurial level, because clearly, you know, we, we don't have a lot of people to delegate to, but, you know, but executives don't have that help and support anymore. And, um, you know, technology has certainly helped, but I think it has also uh, completely consumed us and i suspect in the list of right and wrong things to do um a lot of the things that we spend a lot of time on are not on that list well and unfortunately um i think there is a kind of a misnomer around that uh especially as an entrepreneur you are an executive i mean you you have to have the mindset of not just the day-to-day operational pieces of your business, but you must set the strategy. You have to be the visionary, and you have to (laughs) have time to do the things that you're truly uniquely capable and qualified to do. And unfortunately, I think most entrepreneurs don't get the help they need. You have to dig into your pocket and spend money on those administrative things. I made more and more and more and more money every time I outsourced. And the more I became willing to give other people money to take those things off my plate, the more money I made. And it was a very difficult lesson for me, and I wish I would have done it a lot sooner uh, in my career. Right. Um, But there is a backlash against no admin, and we're actually seeing the opposite. We are seeing a rebirth of the administrative support person. Right. uh, Because executives – leaders up and down the organization at every level are doing things that are $12, $15 an hour type of activities for someone who's paid $100,000, $300,000 a year. And so we're seeing an admin person come in, and maybe they're supporting two, three, four, five right. uh, different leaders, depending upon their level. Uh, but I believe Every person in every business at any stage in business must have administrative support. I just don't buy into the I've got to do it all myself uh, right. because you're not going to make any money that way. 
Oh, no, and you are so, so right. And I'll tell you what, I you have been whispering in the ear of one of my advisors on my advisory board because he tells <laughs> me that every time that oh, we yeah. talk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's funny, as, as an entrepreneur, you're right. I mean, we do, uh, and I had to laugh as you were saying it because um, there there's the old uh, bit of, you know, let me pass you to the uh, customer service department. Customer service, may I help you? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and really, the uh, we are, and I've seen the term CXO, which is everything in between the C and the O. That's what we are, and that's what we right. do. Right, but it's all chief, right? It's yes. not uh, secretarial, as we used to call it. You know, the administrative piece of it. Um, I have seen uh, a CFO just the other day, I was doing a training for a senior leadership team, and the CFO on that senior leadership team was doing expense reports, uh, booking his own travel. I just right. had a CEO of uh, a $3.5 million association who was typing his own minutes from a board meeting, mm. uh, managing his own calendar, right, and thinking that he's doing the membership a favor by saving on the administrative assistant and doing it himself well sorry i'm you know we're paying you three hundred fifty thousand dollars to be the ceo it's actually a disservice to your company chicky i would be much right. stronger uh, because by doing things that you shouldn't be doing you prevent your ability to spend time on the activities that really do drive business growth uh and value and ultimately revenues to your firm and that's right. the big danger uh, in entrepreneurs because they can. They're competent. They're capable. Right. Uh, and well, and, and it's also just become the order of the day in corporate America, too. I mean, it's not just entrepreneurs that are in that place. And, you know, you started out by talking about how your, your focus on both speaking and, and writing has, has largely been productivity. But you start this book off saying that you really need to go and take this leadership assessment. It's called the 3T Leadership Assessment. So, so why well, is – Well, it's productivity for leaders. Everything uh -huh. that I do is productivity. Got it. So the entire lane but As you take that assessment, you know, t tell us to what – see where you're spending your time inefficiently. So the book is written for people who are at a leadership level, and it discusses how – people in management, in leadership, and I define an executive a little differently, and we can talk about that, um, should be spending in their time. And so many people are just caught up, like you said, just in the day-to-day, -day, you know, where they just face a real blindness in terms of where am I supposed to be spending my time as a leader? Um, so taking that assessment, and anybody can do that. It's free. Uh, it's the actual online assessment from the book, 3tleadership.com, and we can talk about what the three T's are as well, wherever you want to go with this. Uh, right. Yes. I mean, I think. Well, so why many don't you just mention them know. now? Because I, I think it, it's it's really important to get us in the mindset. I, I happen to be really visual, and so I try to translate that to our listeners, since this is not a visual broadcast, so that they can. <laughs> See the kind of the buckets of where we're going, and and so you know perhaps I can just share the major buckets, and then you can tell us what's within each of those. So the first yeah. part is strategic thinking. So what makes up the strategic thinking bucket? Yeah, and you know it might help to kind of back up a little bit and even talk about 
the what the bucket's context is because okay, great. we have to first talk about the difference between effectiveness and efficiency or a lot of that won't have a lot of context. So if I could just talk first about, and why did I call the book Doing the Right Things Right, <laughs> there's some very key words in there. Mm-hmm. And this came from Drucker's book. Um, I was really influenced by him 25 years ago when working on my MBA when I read The Effective Executive, and I'm sure you did too. Uh, as many people had to do when they were in business. And he always talked about leaders do the right things, managers do things right. And he talked about leaders are effective, managers are efficient. And he always made these big distinctions in how we spend our time between these two variables. And I, I always remember thinking, well, why can't we do both, right? Why can't right. we be effective, which refers to how well you can successfully produce a result, okay? So it's the degree to which, as a leader, you're achieving your objectives, you know, hitting your numbers, making your goals, realizing your profits, etc. So in business, we talk about effectiveness as doing the right things, whereas efficiency is how do you get that done, right? How do you accomplish a particular job or task? with the minimum expenditure of time and effort and cost, right? So it's kind of the shortest distance between your goal and the check mark. And mm-hmm. we talk about efficiency as doing the right things right. And so alone, I don't think effectiveness is good enough to distinguish a good leader, right? Because if you have the right training or a good manual, you can do the right things. Now, a robot can do the right things, right? right? But if you're effective and you're not efficient, then you're unproductive because something that should have taken you four months to complete, you know, this initiative you have for your company, can wind up taking 14, right? So we have to look at how do we be both effective and efficient. And Drucker defined five different principles, really, what he called habits of the mind for executives to follow, right? He talked about... Mm -hmm. You know, you got to focus on results, you got to prioritize, you got to make good decisions, all that. Well, that was 50 years ago, and that was before we had technology. And, you know, to your point, we, you know, women are now in the marketplace in droves, where before they were just secretaries. In fact, he only referred to women in his book as secretaries. So right. I thought, this needs a facelift. You know, we really need to update this. And I came up with 12 effectiveness principles and then talked about here are the 12 and here's how to be more efficient. Well, the, the problem was 12 is a lot to remember, right? That's 12 principles. Holy cow, Laura. So that's where I came up with these buckets as you refer to them. That's where I said out of these 12 effectiveness principles, what do leaders actually do during the day? And where they spend their time can actually be grouped into three different leadership activities, okay? And that's what I call the three T roles, the leadership roles. And if they go to that 3tleadership.com, you'll see the big pie chart from the book. And I think you might have the book, but it's on page seven, uh, Chicky, for your reference or anyone else who decides to get this and listening. So those three T roles are the three activities where leaders spend time. And I called them strategic thinking, team focus, and tactical work. And I refer to them in shorthand as think, T, 
team, and tactics. Okay, so right. those are the chief time management roles for leaders. So I wanted to give that context. So in the strategic thinking bucket, um, I like that word that you're using, <laughs> um, that's fine. There are actually four different effectiveness principles. But basically in that think role as a leader, that's where we're acting as the organizational strategist, right, where we're focused on business goals. And we have to kind of monitor that big picture and make sure that our team efforts, uh, you know, if we have direct reports, are reinforcing the company's goals. So that's that first bucket. Did you want me to go into the others? Yeah, why don't we just, uh, again, to give that framework, and then we'll, we'll dive into uh, okay. the content okay, of great. the book. Okay, great. And then the, the think focus, secondly, leads to team focus, all right, teamwork. That's where you're serving as this conscientious leader who focuses on employee productivity. And so you may have a team of one, you may have a team of 10, you may have a team of 600. And in this role, you build and maintain an effective, productive team as one of the first steps toward high performance, recognizing that you can't do everything to drive your company. And then the last piece is that tactical work. Those are the things that you are uniquely capable and qualified to do. That's where you're actually being a productive performer, right? right. And you're focusing on just those daily operational types of tasks and getting those off your plate. So that's where you carry out your individual duties just depending upon the nature of the business that you have. So right. that's kind of the structure uh, in what I call that 3T leadership model. All right, well, let's go back and, and start with with goals. And, and you start out talking about um, not just strategy and objectives, which we're all used to, but I love that you weave in the word alignment. And so you talk about aligning strategy and objectives. And, and I can't tell you how, how much. I've been a strategic consultant for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming into companies that maybe have spent, you know, two or three days crafting their mission statement and their vision, yet then they send everybody off to do their individual department plans or worse, their budgets, and then kind of coming up with a plan after they've come up with the numbers. And they never ever align back to the company's strategy yeah. and objectives. It's awful. You know, strategy is not separate from the execution, from those performance plans and those objectives. And unfortunately, people do, like you say, they think of strategy as one event, and then the execution is kind of the downstream piece of that, right? And never the two shall meet. And by executing those operational plans, you should be accomplishing your strategic objectives, right? Well, right. that doesn't happen. And I think what's, what's critical, what I'm seeing in leadership in that area is that most leaders don't even have the foggiest idea about what their people are doing um, on a day-to-day -day basis. They don't have their fingers on the pulse of where they're spending their time. Uh, they don't have one week, one month, three months, six months um, types of goals 
you know, and if you can't say, you know, what I'm doing right now, exactly what I need to be working on to achieve this goal in three months, you don't have your finger on the pulse of your organization as a leader. You're just kind of randomly doing things as they're coming through the door uh, without any good guideline as whether or not they're providing value ultimately. I mean, we have a ton of opportunities, right? It's not like we need any more ideas. Right. (laughs) Most people know exactly what they should be working on to accomplish their goals, and yet they're doing everything but. And I think that kind of goes back to the think piece. I don't think we spend enough time working on goals. I don't think we think. Right? When do you take time on your calendar to actually sit down and work on strategy and think and plan and set goals? Most people just, they, they have busyness all day long and they don't do Well, and, and it, it's so true. And, and we do call that working on the business rather than in the business. And that, that's one of the reasons why I like looking at these three things as buckets because um, we do spend most of our time in the third bucket of, of the doing rather than the planning and the thinking mm-hmm. and, and really yeah. the, the contemplating, right? We may think about our goals, but, you know, do we, you know, really sit down and, and figure out whether they're the right ones? And, and I mean, or, I, yeah, I say or that. Or the paper or. Right, right, you know, exactly. I think so many times when I want to write, for example, um, I have to get out of my home, and I have to get out of my office. I can't strategize and think and write and dream and plan even in my own space. And I think we have to make it a, a meeting with ourselves, an event, an activity where we right. go away. And, and I, off-site, I because off-site. Yeah. that's the reason why corporations do off-sites is because most people are just like you. The distraction of the day-to-day yeah, is what you've keeps get us out of trapped. That. I mean, it, it sounds corny, but I go a mile up the road, and I check myself into a Hilton Garden Inn that we have just down the road, and I check in on a Friday, and I check out on a Sunday, and I do it every quarter without fail. And that's how I write. That's how I'm such a, I turn out so much writing um, because I can't concentrate, you know, at home or at work. And so if you have to go, you know, to the mountains, if you have to uh, go to the library once a week, right, you've got to have your third place. I really believe in off-sites. Uh, because it's so easy just to let the day pass by without even thinking about these things. I totally agree with you. Oh, yeah, no, and especially those of us who do work out of our homes. um, You know, I mean, it's all I can do most days just to make sure that I'm dressed by the time that my husband or my kids come home. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I mean, there there is just so much about falling into that trap, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that holds us back from this strategic thinking piece. And, you know, it's so funny, Laura, because I am a strategist. That's what I do. Right. It's the old cobbler's, uh, oh, you yeah, know, doing it for no myself. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but the interesting thing is, and, and here, here's where I have been for the last 45 days in my own business. I started a technology company within my, my consulting business. I started a technology company 10 years ago, and it has gone through and morphed and changed um, but I had launched a new product last summer, and by December, 
uh, things weren't moving along the way they should have and the revenues weren't flowing the way they should have and the person I had doing sales for me, that wasn't going the way it should. So I actually had to pause, you know, just like you were pressing the pause button on, you know, a VCR or, you know, an old Mm -hmm. tape recorder, right? Because that's the only way I could look at the change piece, which is the next chapter in the book of embracing innovation and adaptability. And one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is I don't have to ask anybody's permission to adapt my business, but I do have to stop long enough to look at what has gone right and what has not gone right. And you know, is the path that I'm on the right path? And I always use the example of, you know, when Moses left Egypt, you know, if you look at it on the map, the the path to the promised land was literally probably a 14-day walk, you know, if you turn on, uh, you know, the walking part of, of Google directions, right? Yet it took 40 years. I don't want to be on the 40-year plan. <laughs> right. I mean, I that happens all the time with clients where, uh, you know, they they have this great idea. They've got this great business. You know, they've got to launch this product. You know, whatever it is, very similar to what you just experienced. Um, you know, whether you're one person or, you know, Procter and Gamble on a massive scale. You know, and it takes some. You know, it should have just been a few months. You know, and a year and a half later, it's still not done. Well, what happens in the meantime? another company comes in, you know, and starts nibbling on the edges of its market share. I mean, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. Um, So you have to be nimble. You have to change. You have to have that continuous growth and improvement. I mean, urgency is, is really the name of the game. And if you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's going on around you, it's just going to pass you by. You know, and so we've got to have that time and to to really get our arms around it, especially during times of change and chaos. Uh, that's where you know always a big proponent of making sure we've got the right people on on the bus, you know, as Jim Collins always said. Right, yeah. right. That's and and I know we're going to get huge. to some of that uh, when we shift the focus of our discussion to uh, to the organization. Um, but the next piece is about communication and sharing the mission and the vision and the ideas. And again, I want to touch on both communication within a corporate structure where you've got perhaps even a large organization or um, maybe not a large organization, but a, a, an organization that's spread out and people working you know, out of their offices, out of remote offices, out of their home office. Um, and then also to talk a little bit uh, about communication within the entrepreneurial structure. So let's start on the corporate side and, and talk to us about how do you craft the right communication uh, to really bake into everybody's day where they're actually going so that everything is aligned between how the choices they make of their right things that, that, that need to be done. Well, and, and that, that is very different for every person, every job, every role. I mean, if you are running uh, a, a recruiting agency, you know, you're going to have to have a five-minute huddle every single morning with your team and a five-minute huddle every single evening with your team. I mean, some people have to have a daily, uh, hourly 
I've seen, you know, several times a day where people have to get together and recalibrate for that day's priorities. And so it really, there is no one right answer to that question. Everybody has to figure out what is that right mix. I had one a chief security officer at Microsoft who just has GM hours. He calls them general manager hours uh, to communicate with people on whatever topics are of interest to them because they have their, you know, their typical yearly offsite strategy sessions, you know, quarterly senior leadership meetings. You know, there's the, the typical structure like that as you get, you know, more and more people in an organization that you have to do to kind of calibrate that on a regular basis. Uh, but then every week, and I don't remember what his, you know, could have been Tuesday, Thursday, you know, 9 to 11, 1 to 3. You know, it's like if you wanted to see your professor, you would have to go during office hours, right? And so he basically scheduled his interruptions and just said, I'm available to communicate with you during these times on anything. Uh, come in. So it can be that kind of structure. Uh, it could be as simple as, scheduling one-on-one -on -one meetings with your key team members. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't actually have regular meetings right. with people whom they're relying on to advance their strategic objectives. You know, and if as a leader you're not good at communicating, you know, here's where we're going, uh, here's how we're going to get there, here's how we'll know if we get there, uh, you know, here's what we're going to do when we get there. You know, if people don't know how they're supposed to be spending their time and you're not communicating with them on a regular basis around that, then they end up doing whatever they believe the priorities are, right? And then they're going to spend their way, their time in ways they basically get. Or they do whatever they feel like doing because it's more fun, right? Or right. easy or trivial, um, and so we've got to figure out through a combination of the different mediums how we're going to stay uh, on track with our team members and keep our finger on the pulse. And I think too many people think that they're communicating too much, I, and I don't think you can. It's amazing right. how many people miss it. So you've got to over-communicate, over-communicate. And one of the big challenges is that we just have too many ways to communicate, <laughs> you know, with social media and texting and email and intranet and, you know, you, you've got some people where they're emailing back and forth and back and forth and I'm thinking, geez, if you just would have picked up the phone, right. you know, and connected with these people. So there's a lot of confusion and a lot of noise. Well, there is, and, and I don't know if you've seen that. It, it's kind of a, a silly parody of conference calls, but it, it's oh, what I would happen so yeah, if, if the meeting <laughs> – was like YouTube that, and you, oh, it, it's hysterical. It's on YouTube, and I, I, I we should probably post it. The conference uh, you call know, just, it's called. It's hysterical. It is, but you know, it, it, it's hysterical. But we all get it because we've lived it so yes. many. And that's clearly times. an ineffective way uh, it, to be communicating that type of information. You know, or you have people who go to meetings. You know, they're going to have a meeting and communicate you know, this new direction, and it's just, oh, it's awful, like they're just reading their slides, and, you know, geez, I could have read your slides, right, and so we've right. got to 
engage people. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, it's one of the reasons why uh, one of my primary goals this year is to get out of the solo entrepreneurial mode and to actually have a company, a physical office facility, and a team that is local here in Tampa. Mm -hmm. I have worked remotely for the better part of 20 years from wow. from whatever team I'm working with and whether we were building lasvegas.com or building, you know, a new mobile travel solution for Intel or whatever it was we were doing, uh, we were never in an office together. And mm-hmm. I am so ready for that. Yeah, um, that's a big step. I've been home based for 25 years and that does not sound enticing to me. <laughs> so that's a great Well, but point. I'm in a different place. You're uh, in a different clearly, place. I I'm building yeah, a technology company. Yeah. You know, but as as I talk to people and and you know, they talk about, "Oh, well, you know, I could just work from here." It's like, "No, I'm not doing that anymore." Mm-hmm. Because it's so hard. I mean, and we've all been there of you're you're on the phone, you're giving an update and you say any questions and, and crickets, crickets on the other end. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, look at, you know, Yahoo bringing back everybody coming back to the office. You know, they got rid of that policy probably for that same reason. You know, there is something that you cannot replicate when you're knee-to-knee, voice-to-voice, eye-to-eye, you know, and actually having your team around you as a leader, you know, it's kind of like if you're Captain Kirk – you know, you want your people on the bridge. You, <laughs> you do. Know, you don't want Spock somewhere else if you can't communicate. You know, they have you have instant things that you need right. to be able to communicate with people. And it is a lot more efficient. Uh, you know, it just depends if that fits your business model. Uh, you know, my office is at conferences. I mean, I spend 100,000 miles a year on the road right. flying. You know, so for me, and that doesn't sound appealing my... to me. I lived my corporate yeah, life like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're, so you've been there, done that. Um, I have. I but have. I love to travel. You know, but I think we have to listen to that. And communication for you will become very, very different <laughs> once you've got that physical building. Um, oh, it will. And you know what? I mean, uh, every week when I do these interviews, I'm I'm preparing, right, and 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 am getting positioned for that next stage in my own leadership. Mm-hmm. And and so you mentioned something when, when we were talking about how the conference call, I mean the, the silly video that we were talking about, <laughs> how that's not the right format for some of the things that we use those meetings for. And the yeah. next section of your book is on decision, I'm sorry, easy for me mm-hmm. to say, decision making. Um, and the the subtitle uh, in the table of contents is resolve and execute decisions promptly, mm-hmm. and you know I think a lot of leaders that in my experience they they know how to make decisions themselves, but they don't know how to rally everyone around the process. So right. is this something that you address in in this section of the I book? I do, and the big challenge with with time and productivity on that specific topic of decision making is the issue of where does the leader start and stop? Where do my boundaries begin and end? What is my authority? What decisions am I going to make? And there are too many leaders who are afraid of being a leader. I mean, it's like 
they don't want to be the boss. They want they want the team to decide. I, I've just seen this huge shift in how decisions are made, which is wonderful because everybody's into engagement right now. I mean, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know, you engagement, engagement, engagement is everywhere. And you know, one of the big tenets of engagement is to involve people in the decision making process. That as a leader, you know, you don't want to be the autocrat and come out and dictate and here's what we're going to do and so this pendulum has really swung over to where the team now uh, is involved in making decisions and many of my clients tell me that they want me to talk about over collaboration because what's (laughs) happened in many cases is that it just takes so darn long and people are frustrated they're like oh can you just pick a direction and let's go it's like exactly the leader is afraid to say i want your input i we're going to be meeting here to whatever brainstorm problem solve come up with alternatives i want to hear your input and then i'm going to make a decision yeah uh, and so i think that people are afraid actually to be the boss at this point because ooh, well maybe i'm going to disengage and i've got to have ownership and i went everybody to opt in and you know it's like as a leader you're opted in you know unless you have a good reason you're opted in <laughs> and, right you know now we're just trying to figure out the best way so there's just too much of the over collaboration happening i think Chicky. right so let's talk about team because uh that happens because of the culture that gets created and so the first part of your team focus uh, and, and the first piece of that bucket, if you will, uh, is environment. And, you know, I, I was going to ask you why you chose the word environment rather than culture, but you do talk in that section about building an open team culture. And right. open doesn't necessarily mean that the, um, you know, the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> no, open meaning that people have to feel free to speak up. They have to have early recognition of problems, right? It's the environment in which people are operating. And it is about culture in in terms of the sense of how you engage them. But, you know, do you reward risk-taking or is everybody kind of ducking and covering? You know, is everyone trying not to be labeled the troublemaker? You know, Mm -hmm. it's far more efficient and cheaper to address a problem at the very beginning and do problem fixing rather than problem solving when, you know, the cost and time and effort have gone way up. But a lot of leaders don't take the time to create this environment of openness in their teams in the way that they talk with them, that they want them to be empowered, that they want them to embrace change, that they want them to take risks, uh, you know, because if you don't, everybody is just kind of keeping their mouth shut, tail between their legs, trying not to get on the boss's radar, uh, you know, and don't rock the boat type of thing. And so that's what that environment is about. And how are you as a leader getting people to embrace that type of culture? And then then you shift a little bit uh, to honing back in on performance. But uh, again, this section talks about forging a results-oriented team, and that really comes out of that culture that you're establishing. Right. You know, because once you've got that culture, 
you can you can talk about things like okay this is a complete waste of time if people feel that they are able to speak up uh, then they can say you know we need to let's look at this policy or let's look at this procedure um, I think that we can shave two hours off of this, or I really don't see the value in why we're producing this report. Or, you know, I know I'm getting paid to do this, but our customers don't actually care about this particular offering that we have. It's not providing any value, so we shouldn't waste our time on it. And so that's what you're trying to encourage your team to do is not just run around uh, being busy checking things off lists, you know, but this is, of course, assuming you've got alignment already with your goals uh, and that people understand what I call the personal return on their investment of time, Mm -hmm. right? They know, you know, you as a leader, for example, maybe your company puts out a um, newsletter, right? So maybe you're the talent, you're the subject matter expert, like I am. I have to write that article. There's no one else in my organization um, who can do that. Right? So I'm writing these articles, but I shouldn't be the one who is testing the links and paying for <laughs> exactly. the launch. And, right? There's someone else on my team who that's a valuable role for them to do, but it's a, very, it's a wrong role for me to do. Right? There's no personal return on my investment of time in doing that particular thing. And so everyone on the team has to really understand, why am I here? Right? What is my responsibility and where do I provide value? So that's what that section is about. Right. And I was doing a, an interview for um, a, a new employee for the company in Denver that uh, I'm on, on their board. And I was asking uh, the woman, she's coming from a, a major company uh, in our industry and and uh, has a very substantial role in that company. And, and she said, well, you know, do you want to know what it is I can bring to the table? And I said, well, yes and no. I mean, I, I do want to know what you can do. But the fact is there may be things that you do really well that you hate. And I use something in my, my strategic process that is a, a chart called Love, Hate, Do Well, Do Badly. I don't know if you've ever seen it. but. Uh-huh where uh, you you have everyone in an organization take all the things that need to be done and you put them on little sticky notes and everybody gets the same pack of sticky notes and they have to put their initials on it. And then they put it put those sticky notes on this grid of do they love it and do it well or do they do it well but really hate it. <laughs> and and then there's the do badly or haven't tried and hopefully nobody's in the you know I I hate it and I do it badly that that would be bad, yeah. um, but then you go back and there's another dimension of the exercise where you take a a green sticker like the ones that you use in in um, yard sales and and a red sticker and you add in that dimension of whether it energizes you or whether it drains you because there are things I actually love to do. Uh, there's a, a three-day integrated planning session that that my company does, and I love to do it, and I do it really, really well, but it drains me. So I yeah. can't do it every week of the year or even every month. Right. Um, and And there are things I hate, like spreadsheets, that when I create a work of art spreadsheet, you know, for a business model – I get so jazzed and energized, but I hate it with a passion. Yeah. So, 
You know, you yeah. talk in Chapter 7 about motivation and harnessing yeah. creativity and loyalty. And, of course, we've just talked about making sure you've got the right people on the bus and that they know what it is that they're there for. So talk to us about that, and then we'll move on to talk about growth. Yeah, that's a critical component. I mean, you've got to figure out what just makes you feel like throwing up when you when you think <laughs> of it. You know, that's the kind of analogy that I use. There are a lot of things that I'm really good at, like you said, um, but it's not something that I look forward to, I don't want to do, and those are the things that I, I try to outsource, uh, you know, because and, and unless you just can't outsource it. For example, I don't like to work on PowerPoint presentations, but, you know, it's very difficult to tell. So by the time you tell someone, okay, take slides 3, 7, 19, 27, 35, and put them in this order, I could have done it already myself. Right. right. And so exactly. there are pieces of everything that all of us do that we we have to do. And so really just trying to understand what that is for each person and figuring out, is there a way <laughs> that we can outsource it, that we can reduce it, that we can make it more fun? Is, is there anything, you know, and as a leader trying to actively manage those things uh, for certain people. Um, but, you know, everybody's motivated by different things. Everybody likes certain things, hates certain things, has different family situations. Has, you know, some people care about money. Other people want recognition or challenge or incentives or time off, you know. And, and we've really got to understand that I don't think we spend enough time just talking with the people on our team and finding out what's important to them. Everything right. is a do this, do this, do this, do this. And it takes time. And people go, oh, my gosh, when am I going to have time? to coach, to mentor, to train, to talk. Oh. Well, you've got to make time. You know, exactly. As, as a leader, so, so you, true. you know, two days out of your week should be spent uh, managing your team, working with your team, understanding their motivations. And like with anything, it's where it's what's important to you. You've got to right. figure that out. Now, I was a little surprised that you put growth in the team focus section mm-hmm. uh, because I tend to think about growth strategically, right? So I would have put it in the strategy bucket. But I know you've got a a method to your madness. And and this (laughs) this chapter talks about emphasizing continuous improvement, which is a cultural thing with people. So is that what's behind and why this is in team and not in strategy? Because I put in and certainly you could talk about growth as as a you know, that's one of our obvious business goals, grow our companies, increase profitability, all of that. But I'm talking about it in this context as how do I move the team? How do I stretch their abilities? How do I encourage them to grow, right, and, and, and encourage accountability? A lot of people don't have people say, okay, what are my needs? What are my shortcomings? Uh, you know, where am I making errors? What skills do I need to add? I mean, if we really want people to be productive, we have to figure out how to kind of fill in the blanks for them. For example, one of my... Uh, team members, uh, my office manager, never used to know how to do simple updates to website pages. Okay, and it was it causes inefficiency, productivity issues because it's like, gosh, I see a typo here, right? As I'm looking at something as the leader, well, I shouldn't be doing it. That's a really right. bad use of my time, right? I don't need to be fixing web pages. Um, but then I have to tell someone, hey, there's a typo here, who then has to tell someone over in our IT department, 
right? But instead, if you say, what could I do to encourage this person to improve in their personal growth? Aha, I think I'll send her to free university, to Arapahoe Community College, to wherever, right, in your local area, and I'm going to pay for a class on WordPress. Bingo, bam, problem solved. And now because I've trained her, I've helped her grow as an individual, guess what happens? Better productivity for my organization, more efficiency, reduced cost. Now all I have to do is one email, you know, hey, Becca, typo here, bam, it's done. You see the right. difference there? That's what I mean by helping others grow so that you as a, an organization can be more efficient and productive. Absolutely, absolutely. So then let's move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, the place where I spend way too much of my time, and I'm sure uh, as I take this test uh, or this, this assessment, I, I'm going to rank really badly <laughs> because <laughs> tactical work and, and actually doing the work of business is, is where I spend um, so much of my time. And you know, because I don't have anybody to delegate to in my company, I'm doing many of the things that fall in that, um, you know, where I do it well, but I hate it, right? Yeah, and and right. Um, and I love your focus on outsourcing, and I've I have just, you know, kind of put my toe in the water on that, and I will tell, uh, you know, those who are listening who are entrepreneurs, um, I just stumbled on a resource called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. And there are all kinds of people around the world who will do things for $5. Yeah, and there's another right? one called That update up, to your Upwork. website that you have been struggling on how to fix that spelling error, and you every time you get into WordPress, you just want to shoot yourself. Yeah. Uh, there are people who will do that for 5 bucks. Yeah, right? you've got to be careful on that site because you do get a lot of people with very, very poor quality. So yes. sometimes I have hired five people for the same job just to find one who can actually do the work. And then, of course, right. it's not really five bucks. They have this add-on, this add-on, this oh, add-on. Oh, of course so they do. do. Of course they do. But but there are other yeah. sites like that. Like I use 99designs whenever I need something graphically done. And I used to try to do graphical design myself because I can, but I shouldn't. So exactly. The, That's the, buckets, the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The That's buckets the that you value. outline on tactical work, I, I really, really love this because you've you've broken it into such a logical uh, set. And I'm, I'm going to actually throw out all four of them, and then we're going to talk about those uh, in, in the last five or ten minutes that we have left here. And I have a so hard the, stop in five minutes. Just so Okay, you know. great. Well, then we yeah. will blow through these fast then. Value, technology, agility, and balance. So why don't you give us the essence of those since we do only have uh, a few minutes with your hard stop at one. Yeah, and we've talked you know, about the value just in terms of what is the best use of my time. So in my company, I am the brand builder. I am the rainmaker. I am the subject matter expert. And it cannot be hired out. And it cannot be replaced. And that is my unique contribution to my organization. So I must spend my time on things that drive those roles. So it is a good use of my time to develop media relationships. It is a good use of my time to write books, right? So I have to look at every single thing that I do to see if it leads back to the unique value that I'm contributing. And then the technology is one place where people just go off the rails because – 
just in doing your everyday work, if you don't have a good workflow process, if you don't have a good time management system, if you have thousands of emails in your inbox, this is a place where people really struggle because they can waste literally hours a day just looking for things and messing around with information. And so we've got to be back to basics. So many people think, gosh, as a leader, I'm kind of embarrassed. I mean, I should know this stuff. And they come to me kind of secretly hope, you know, wanting to hire me for their company, quote, unquote, right? Come give a seminar for my team, quote, unquote, but they're really hiring me for themselves. Right. Um, so often we've got to resolve to put the right foundations in place where we know we're weak, where we don't have efficient systems uh, set up around that area so that, the next one, we can be more agile. Right. We can be faster. We can get through our work more quickly. And this is literally the speed at which you're able to respond because if you know where every single thing goes as it enters your world, you're going to have the ability to have unexpected things come up, right? And be flexible and know how to make adjustments to your schedule, for example. So you've got to get the training you need, get the learning opportunities that are there to stay ahead of, of, of any changes in your field. And then the last one, this sounds kind of tiring. We have to have balance. <laughs> Everyone says, oh, my gosh. And then you, you need know. to go read Laura's Ooh, last book I'm not a about having time to do, do all this. this. <laughs> but, you know, Chickie, that's, that's what this is all about. That's the win of productivity. If you can figure out as a leader, if you've got 10 people on your team and you can improve productivity by 10%, now you have the equivalent of 11 people headcount, and you didn't have to increase salary expense. This is a good deal. If you're working 80 hours a week right now, and you can improve your efficiency by an hour a day through some of these things, well, maybe now you're going to get it down to 75. If you're working 60, maybe it's going to be 50. That's better, right? Why do we even care? Because we want to get the maximum results that we can get but we want to get it in the minimum amount of time. I have three kids. I have a husband I adore. I have hobbies. I like running. I like cars. I have friends I want to hang out with. I have a dog, right? And that's really the only way that you can do both, I believe, right. is to work on your productivity. Well, Laura, we have covered an awful lot of ground. And, <laughs> you know, I know you, you end up the book uh, talking about the evolving business of business. But, but rather than digging into that, we'll let that be the teaser uh, for people to actually go out and buy the book. Uh, what I would like uh, to spend this last uh, minute or two on is you letting folks know how they can reach you. And if they would like to have you speak at their event or they would like to hire you to come in and, and look at their organization and how to turn these things uh, from theory into practice, what's the best way for them to reach you? Best way is through my website, which is theproductivitypro.com. They can always email me, laura, at theproductivitypro.com or all kinds of free educational resources on the book uh, that they can use at 3tleadership.com. So feel free to avail yourself um, of those resources, and uh, we'll keep in touch. I mean, I'm anywhere they are, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Great, but they can, find, they can find, find those links from your website, oh, yeah. correct? Yes, thank you, Chickie, for the opportunity.
All right, perfect, Laura, and uh, I will mark down my calendar to talk to you in two years on your next book. <laughs> That's right. It'll be on team and collective productivity. That's oh, one. great. Yes, well, I'm Laura, thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And for those who have been listening, thank you for joining us. And if you'd like more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, just go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. It is a work in progress. We've just launched a new version of the site, and so there may be a few links that are broken. Uh, But bear with us a little bit on that. And if you want to know more about solutions, just go to solutionswithaz.com. Thank you so much, and have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas, inspiration, innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald. Oh, 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 oh,